Ashley Brock reading Laura Griffin's book, Unforgivable, Chapter 8. Sophie's bro froed with concern the second Mia stepped through the glass door. Whoa, what happened to you? What? Mia jerked the scarf from around her neck and stuffed it into the pocket of her coat. You look like you just ran over a puppy. Everything okay? Bad day in court. She took the ID badge out of her purse and clipped it to her blouse. She didn't want to talk about it right now. She didn't want to do anything besides slip into her lab coat and bury herself where any calls come through. The usual detectives desperately seeking updates. I put them through to your voicemail. Oh, and uh, one particularly called three times. A Detective Moore? Vince was his first name? Not sure. I've met him. You remembered it? Mia said he's cute. Cute as if in Levi's ads, or cute as if I liked an Amazon next to him. The first one? Good to know. Sophie held out a stack of pink message slips. Mia tucked them in her pocket. And FYI, that guy Daryl's looking for you. The one from the cave? She had to refer to the basement's office where the data technicians were. Good, because I need to talk to him. What Mia really needed was to escape before Sophie could pin her down for more details. She started for the elevator. Hey, if I don't see you before I leave, good luck at your gig tonight. Mia made a dash for the elevators and squeezed into one right before the doors closed. She rode up to the sixth floor with a DNA tracer and a couple guys from the crime, cyber crimes. She wondered if any of them had ever been ripped to shreds by the illustrious Russ Pickerton. Probably not. The doors digged open and she stood face to face with Daryl. His eyes lit up. I was just looking for you. Where you been all day? Court. Stepped down and he fell on the pace beside her. Daryl was tall and lanky and always seemed to be eating something. This afternoon it was a chocolate iced donut and Mia's stomach started growling. Got some good news for you. What's that? Please let it be good news. She needed something, anything to salvage her terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. You know that profile you lifted earlier this week? Could you be more specific? Electrical cord, literature, strangulation case. I ran it through the database and bing. And Daryl speaking, bing was good. And an offender hits. Eat granddad. You're kidding. The saliva off that cord had come from someone whose profile was already stored in the database. Offender hits were rare, but Mia lived for them anyway. They were the reason she got up in the morning. They made everything worth it. The drudgery, the painstaking hours, even the rust pickertons of the world. I notified the department that submitted the sample. And the detective there wants to talk to you. Co-check, I think it is. Kopek. She corrected. She was grinning now too. I know him, or at least she felt like she did. He'd been hounding her for weeks. He's got some follow-up questions, follow-up questions, stuff a little out of my league. I told him I'm just a lonely daddy jockey. You're the DNA guru around here. I'll call him. He stepped in front of her office and gave Daryl a spontaneous hug, which might have been a bad idea because when she looked up, a blush was giving her was like, "Thanks for letting me know." Mia slipped into her office and shrugged out of her wooling layers. She hung everything on a hook beside the door and pulled on the crisp white lab coat that had been recently laundered and had her name embroidered on the pocket. The familiar bleach scent was comforting. An offender hit. Yes! Mia pressed her palms against the counter and closed her eyes. As a feeling of relief washed over her, some family in Houston would get answers to their questions now. And maybe someday, after the soul-rendering grief subsided, they might even feel comfortable confronted, comforted by the knowledge that the person who'd taken their child from this world hadn't gotten away with it. Mia took a deep breath. It was turning out to be a good day, despite the morning. Her work had led to a breakthrough, and Russ Pickerton, with all his smoke and mirrors and court romantics, could go screw himself. Ring and matted from her overcoat pocket. She fished her cell phone out, but didn't recognize the number on the screen. Hello? Check your email. I beg your pardon. Something about the voice made the hair on the back of her neck stand up. Check your email. Make sure you're alone. 
is this? Hello? She glanced at the phone, but the call had disconnected. Miss Pulse quickened. This seemed like maybe an obscene call, and she wasn't sure she could power up her laptop. Instead, she tapped the inbox on her cell phone screen, waited for images to pop up. Eleven new ones. One flagged urgent, no subject line. She clicked open the message, and a picture of Sam filled the screen. Mia's stomach dropped. Sam was smiling at the camera and standing in front of a sign. Cedar Hollow Elementary School. The phone in her hand rang, making her jump. The device clattering to the countertop, and she grabbed it up. Same number. Who is that? She demanded. Aunt Mia. Sam? Her arms went, where are you? Listen carefully, was the man's voice again. I see fear shot through me. You're going to follow instructions without talking to anyone except me. You got that? She gripped the phone in her hand, sagged against the counter. Are you? Are you listening? Yes. Her voice was a whisper, barely audible, but the ringing in her ears. Yes, yeah, it's him. No cops, no lab rats, no one hears about this call ever. Or Sam gets hurt. You got me. Yes, he said lab rats. Did he know she was the... She was at the Delbury Center? He must. Maybe he was watching. Maybe he was in a car with Sam right this instant and they were sitting out in the parking lot. But how would he have gotten through the security gate? That didn't make sense. Write down this case number. She snatched up a pen as the caller read it off the digits. Then she started, stared with disbelief at the number she'd written. The Asher Meyer case. Dear God, who was this? Was Sam with some violent psychopath? Where is the where is that evidence? The voice demanded. Mia could hardly breathe. It felt as though a giant hand was closing around her. Where is it? It's I don't know. Wrong thing to say. Wait, it's here in the evidence refrigerator right here in the lab. Go get it, he said. Now while I now while I hold and don't talk to anyone. Mia's hand shook as she placed the phone atop the file. She didn't need the case numbers. She knew it by heart. She knew all of her case numbers by heart. They were her cases. Her feet fell leading as she crossed her workroom and pulled open the glass door etched with a duplex double helix. He wanted her to tamper with evidence. A better life would she have dreamed she'd do such a thing, but she was doing it right now. Her armpits were damp as she walked through the lab where three of her colleagues stood at tables, staring into microscopes. One looked up, two, they'd seen her. Whatever she was about to do, they were witnesses. Mia reached for the door of the walk-in refrigerator and pulled it open. Could they see her hands trembling? The skin between her shoulder blades burned, and she felt three laser beam gazes born into her as she stood before the shelves lined with evidence bags and rape kits. Her movements were robot rowboat like as she combed through the bags checking labels and there they were right where she left them sunday night the bags contained ashley myers clothes her shoes and the duct tape used to bind her hardly breathing now mia collected everything and returned to her office careful to avoid eye contact with her colleagues she couldn't look at them and she knew her distress was written painfully across her face the phone was waiting for her the seconds of the call ticking away on the screen i've got it her voice sounded rough all of it Yes, it's three bags. Combine it into one. Put everything under your coat and walk out. Where am I? Keep the line open. No cops. Anyone follows you or you speak a word to anyone, Sammy is dead. The words paralyzed her, but then their meaning sank in. She dropped the phone and sprang into action, ripping open the seal to the larger bag and stuffing the two smaller ones inside on top of the shoes. She couldn't look at the blood-covered sandals. Ashley Meyer's sandals. Sandals that probably had her killer's blood on them along with hers. Sam? 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 Please be okay. How had someone taken him from school? He had to be... He had 
to have been at school. It wasn't even two o'clock yet, and in the photograph, he was standing right in front of the sign. Pulse racing, Mia rode the elevator downstairs and stepped into the lobby. She walked through only a few minutes ago. Ralph stood guard at the entrance, gave her a nod as she returned numbly. Her gaze veered to Sophie. How would she explain her abrupt departure? Mia's mind groped for an excuse. She was feeling ill. She forgot an appointment. Sophie's head bobbed. She was on the phone, thank goodness. On impulse, Mia veered right and headed for a side exit that faced the picnic tables. Ralph's gaze met hers as she reached the door. Did he look suspicious? She imagined that he had x-ray vision and could see right through the coat folded over her arm. Mia pushed through the door and whooshed shut it whooshed shut behind her. Freezing air whipped through the skirt and plow she wore a cord as she set out toward the parking lot. She realized her back was sweating in her neck, her chest, her palms. Her breast was ragged. She bumped into anyone she knew. They'd probably think she was having a seizure. She clutched the bundle to her stomach and walked as briskly as she could on rubbery legs. The parking lot came into view at last. She spotted her car. Was he there watching her? Her gaze combed the rows of vehicles. Nothing seemed out of place, but she wasn't a car person. She never paid much attention to who drove what around here. The ABO was parked on the near end under a security light. In case she had to work late tonight, she'd been following Rick's safety advice. The thought of him, her chest squeezed. This was Rick's murder case. His evidence she had hidden under her coat. How would she ever explain this? You speak a word to anyone. Sammy is dead. Mia quickened her pace until she was almost running, her heart hammering against her sternum. She kept expecting someone to yell, Stop! Or free! Or drop the package! But the only sound was the squawk of grackles in the nearby woods as she pulled open the door and slipped behind the wheel of the rental car. She nestled the bag on the floor and back and threw her coat over it. Then she retrieved her cell phone and rested it in the cup holder. She should put the phone on speaker, but what if the guard stopped her and overheard something? She'd never been stopped leaving the Delbury Center, but anything could happen. Still, she put the call on speaker so she wouldn't miss some vital instruction. Her hand shook wildly, took three stabs before she could get the car key in the ignition. Finally, she was backing out of the space, exiting the parking lot, following the winding road to the gate at the edge of the compound. How we're doing? She flinched and glanced down at the phone. I'm about to pass the gatehouse. Don't talk. The gate opened even before she reached the tiny concrete building. The guard waved her through with a friendly nod. She never thought about how simple it was to walk evidence right out of the lab. It was simple because people knew her. They trusted her. She trained her gaze on the road as she glided through the gate. Only after she entered the highway did she realize she was holding her breath. She glanced in the rearview mirror, but the road behind her was empty. Okay, I'm through the gate, she said. Now what? He gave her some simple directions that led her more dismayed than ever because she had no idea where they would lend her. Where's Sam? I want to talk to him right now. You do what you're told. He'll be fine. Don't you dare hurt him. Do you hear me? If you touch one hair on his head, shut up and drive. Her gaze shot to the mirror again. Was he tailing her? She was on a two-lane highway and didn't see a soul. She needed to call 911. Rick? Someone who could help her put a stop to this, but she didn't see a way out. A slimming out of fear formed in her stomach as she came to the junction in the road and made a left as instructed. Every instinct screamed for her to change course. She had the sickening feeling that she was driving through the scene of her own death, but she didn't dare deviate from the instructions. Sam had one lifeline, and then she was it. Look. Low, thick clouds gathered along the western horizon as she sped down the highway. At last, a weathered wooden sign came into view, Parsons Animal Feed. She tapped the brakes and looked around desperately. The place seemed deserted. There was no one there. No one. She gazed down at the phone and her lap. Okay, I'm here. I'm turning. She rolled to a stop in front of a rusty gate. Clipped to it was a faded no trespassing sign. Now what? There's a gate. Push it open. Mia got out of the car and immediately stepped into a patch of mud. She up the gate and pushed it back until it was 
perpendicular to the fence. She looked around for something to hold into place, a rock, a brick, anything. What if she needed to make a hasty exit with Sam? She didn't want to be trapped if the gate should swing shut. She kicked off her heels and crouched down to wedge one of them between the gate and the mud. Then she picked her way back to the avio in her stocking feet. Red pickup whisked past her on the highway, and a new wave of panic hit her. This was a quiet country road, and she couldn't have looked more out of place in her business clothes without a coat or shoes, returning to her soap can soup can sized car. She looked like a woman in trouble, and for the first time in her life, she wished Texas didn't have a reputation for neighborly drivers. The last man who'd stopped to help her had ended up dead. Mia's throat closed. She felt dizzy. Was this the same man? She didn't fully understand what this was about, but she knew the person behind it had an ice-cold heart filled with deadly intent. Mia gunned the little car through the narrow opening and bumped over the pit of gravel road toward what had to be her destination, a deliberatory factory. The building was made of gray corrosion metal and seemed to be listing slightly to one side. The second story, a pair of tall, painless windows seemed to stare down at her. Where was the caller? Where was Sam? Or was she here by herself and Sam was hidden somewhere far away? She didn't know what to hope for, so she hoped for a miracle as she pulled the AVO up to what looked like the front entrance. Go around back. She snatched the phone from her lap as her gaze flew around frantically. He could see her. Where are you? That's not important. Go around back and get out with the package. Be sure you have everything. Mia steered the car around the building. The back was a rusted dumpster and a loading dock with a metal door. Beside the dumpster was a round metal cube with a gray finger of smoke curling up from it, and she understood. Her breath backed up in her lungs as she rolled to a stop. Her pulse pounded. She watched the curl of smoke. She bit her lip. She couldn't do this. She pulled the evidence bag into her lap and stared down at it. How many hundreds of bags like this had she unsealed during the course of her career? How many times had she signed her name to reports and evidence reports? How many times had she held up her hand and taken an oath to tell the truth about something that could put someone behind bars for a lifetime? What she did right now could cast a shadow over every case she'd ever touched. Sam's waiting. The voice chilled her to the core. With a trembling hand, she put the phone into the cup holder. A calm settled over her. Sam was six. He was her blood. She thought of Amy, and the pain was so sharp it took her breath away. Mia climbed out of the car. The gravel was cold and hard under her bare soles as she walked across the lot to the incinerator. The rusted metal door stood ajar, and a strip of orange glowed. On the ground lay a pair of long metal barbecue tongs, and she knew they'd been left there for her. She picked them up and used them to pull open the metal hatch. A pile of logs burned inside, and something else, too, judging by the arcade flames. Her cheeks heated as she stood before the fiery pit. She set a silent player for Ashley and for Sam and for herself. Then she tossed the bag into the Mall of, Hall, Mall of Hell. End of chapter 8.